Welcome to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. My name is Brandon Adams, lifestyle entrepreneur and inventor, passionate about helping others with creating something great and becoming unforgettable. Each week we discuss helpful tips on becoming a successful entrepreneur and interview other entrepreneurs and inspirational people. Our goal is to help take your business and lifestyle to the next level. Now let's get started. Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. I'm Brendan T. Adams, and on today's show, we have Jay Bear. You know, I am stoked about this because the first time I got introduced to Jay's well, content, his book, Utility, I was actually, I listened to it on the way down to Arkansas when I went on a morning show with Jeff Ambrine, which, by the way, he came on my podcast show probably in one of the first 20 or 30 episodes I ever did. But we talked about his book, Jay Bear, how he created the book, or wrote the book, Utility. It's all about giving out a bunch of content, um, adding a lot of value in return. It'll come back and help in your business. So I got Jay on the show, and he talks about just marketing, talks about his company, Convince and Convert, uh, where he helps a lot of people with marketing, social media. He is, fun little fact about him, he's actually, for his field, he's the most retweeted person on Twitter for everything he puts out. We talk about strategies on social media. We go into Snapchat and Instagram stories, how his view on that, he actually just did a post on Medium. Talk about how he became a New York Times bestseller. Very interesting. Him and Gary Vaynerchuk are actually good friends before they even made it big. Um, talks about how they were friends, but also talks about their strategies for launching books, which is some great advice. I've talked about this before. You're gonna learn in the show. And just content marketing alone. I mean, some of the things he gave here are just priceless advice. One thing that really blew me away, which I will, it'll be in the show, but he, when he got started, talk about consistency, he would spend, he would spend four hours a day he would do a blog every day, he did it for six months, we continuously did it, four hours a day on that blog. And what he did is he reached out to other blogs, commented, but also said, hey, check out my blog here. He did that and he saw the traction, he built it up, and they're putting out so much content, him and his companies. So if you wanna learn about marketing, this is gonna be the show for it, about social media, he's gonna give all that content, great stuff. Before we jump into it, remind you to go to my website, keystothecrowd.com, Check out, we have a free seven-day course there for you to learn how to raise money with crowdfunding for your invention, your nonprofit, your business, you name it. He can help you raise money with crowdfunding. I teach you with that seven-day free course how we've done it with the Freedom Journal, we've done it with the TV show, Ambitious Adventures, how we've done it with Kevin Harrington, all kinds of products and inventions where we help take the market. I show it to you on that course, and like I said, talk about giving free content. That's what I'm giving to you at keystothecrowd.com. You get a seven-day free course there. There's all kinds of cool stuff. Check it out. Uh, so let's jump right into the show with my buddy, Jay Bear. Let's get started. Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. I'm Brennan C. Adams, and on today's show, we have Jay Bear. How's it going, Jay? I'm doing fantastic. I'm delighted to be on the university. It's got an amazing football team. <laughs> but I'm so glad to have you on. You know, it's funny. We got connected by Matt, who is recently on the show that you guys are friends with. And, uh, you know, 
I, I talked about you. I've talked about you a lot, actually. Before you even knew me, a year and a half ago, I promoted your book and talked about you on a morning show in Arkansas. Awesome. And got connected. Like, I knew Dude. somebody was responsible for that spike in book sales in Arkansas. <laughs> now I know, now I know who to thank. Thanks, and, brother. And we like talked it up. And the, the host with me was like, oh, it's a great book. And, you know, it is a great book. And it, I talk about a lot about marketing and how you got to give all that value out. I it, bought a dog from Arkansas recently, so it all comes around. What, what kind of I, dog? I, uh, Cavachon, half Cavalier Spaniel, half Bichon. She's an awesome little puppy. Uh, and I, I drove to Little Rock, which for where I live in Indiana is like, I don't know, 12 hours or something. Yeah. So I drove down there to get the dog and drove back, which is a, a serious <laughs> a serious dog road well, trip. You, you spent your time in Arkansas. It's a unique uh, I area. I suggest anybody get the chance to go to Bentonville. It's where products are taking a market. Uh, but let's jump into it, Jay. I, I mean, you're... You're the author of Utility. You've done some awesome things in business, um, some of which I don't even know yet. They're going to share. But let's go back in time. Let's go back when you were a young entrepreneur back in your early days, maybe even high school. What was your first entrepreneur endeavor, and how did everything lead you up to what you got to today? Tell your story. Yeah, so my family uh, owned a furniture store in Nebraska called Bears Furniture and Carpets. Um, Where in that Nebraska? started uh, York, Nebraska. Okay, okay. Um, and about an hour, uh, from Lincoln, uh, which is where I was born. And, and my family had that furniture store since like the mid 1800s. And, and so I was always in a family of entrepreneurs and self-employed people. And it was sort of always beat into me that that was kind of what you do. And when I was my first entrepreneurial venture, I was... 11. Uh, and my mom and my stepdad were getting master's degrees at Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff, Arizona. My brother and I were up there for the summer living in the dorms. And so we started a babysitting service called Care Bears, the Care Bears <laughs> uh, babysitting service. I was rocking the babysitting deal for like a buck 75 an hour. Uh, that was the first one. And then uh, uh, in college, uh, I made fake IDs for a semester, made a bunch of money doing that until one night, uh, <laughs> I, went the, I went to the university of Arizona one night I, uh, went to the sort of the big college bar and I was in line and bouncers were checking IDs and the bouncer says to the other bouncer, damn, there's a lot of kids from Idaho at this school. And I'm like, uh Oh, cause I, I was only making Idaho IDs. And so I'm like, okay, went home, burned all my stuff. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm out, out of the business getting the heat is getting too hot so uh i managed to get out of that one alive um and then when i graduated uh college i worked in politics for a while uh and then eventually got into marketing and then accidentally got into online marketing way way early 1993 94 uh before any of this stuff started and i uh i was the vice president of marketing for an internet company and then went to another one and started it and started another one and so had 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 been involved in a lot of things but a lot of times it was in conjunction with a bigger company and my uh my best friend uh married my wife's sister so my best friend became my brother-in-law which i totally recommend yeah and he uh we were 30 at the time both of us were 30 and he was diagnosed with brain cancer wow and i walked in the next day and quit uh and said look um, I've always wanted to start my own thing with my own money with, you know, no net and just go do it. Uh, but I was scared, you know, I had a, I had a baby at the time and I was like, you know, what if this doesn't go well? And, and that really was the catalyst for me to say, you know, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Like if it doesn't work out, I'll go get another job. Uh, and that was the push I needed. Walked in and quit and have not worked for anybody since. Uh, and that was 16 years ago, almost to this day. Nice. Um, and so since then I've started a number of 
marketing companies. I've written five books. Uh, I'm a keynote speaker. I've done lots of things. Um, I'm the most retweeted person in the world among digital marketers. Really? So most retweeted a, person? Yeah. So it's uh, it's been quite a ride. Um, and now I got to tell you, the thing that I'm most proud of, Brandon, of all the things that I've done, is that something like 17 people who have worked for me have started their own company. Um, nice. So have created sort of this entrepreneurial tree, if you will, uh, that I'm really, really proud of. That is awesome because, I mean, imagine working with you. They probably learn a lot of different things to go on their own endeavors and go forward with it. I mean, I want, I want people to do it. Like, you know, people are, why do you, why do you so aggressively help people leave and go start their own thing? Because I'm like, look, they, they should have the same opportunities that I had. And, and it just benefits me ultimately. So, right. So, you know? so what, 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 it, and that's a great point. So what is it that you think that you teach them or they, they learn out of working with you that makes them go do their own thing? I, it's not like I have some sort of curriculum or anything. It's It's not nearly that structured. So I can't really put a finger on it exactly what it is, but I think it's, it's just understanding how to, um, you know, how to generate clients, which is no small thing. Uh, how to treat clients and keep clients. Um, how to handle kind of the operational side of starting a business, especially in professional services, um, where there's lots of kind of tips and tricks that I've learned over you know decades that that um, I'm happy to teach somebody without them having to learn it the hard way. So yeah, uh, and, and I think just the overall attitude, like look. You know, this is totally possible. Um, it, you know, it's not it's not as scary as you might think it is, and so uh, it's been it's been great. You know, you talk about them tips and tricks, and that's I know everybody's waiting to hear because you are the marketing guy. I mean, your book utility changed how I thought of things, and just giving so much value and giving a lot to the market. Eventually, they come to you. So, what yeah. are some of your tips and tricks for marketing that you suggest in today's like right now yeah. where we're at? I think the I think the most important thing is to be consistent. Um, the, the you know almost anybody who's who's trying to market a product or a service is going to use you know, content or social or some sort of thought leadership or whatever to try and do that. Right? They're they're going to use uh, information to create uh, relevance and to create attention. And that's how it works today in in large measure, and I get that. But the problem is. What most people do is they kind of do a thing and they're like, oh, I'm really excited about that thing. This is a really cool idea. And let's do this YouTube video or whatever. And then some time passes and they have another idea and they're like, okay, let's do this other thing. And, and so they essentially treat marketing like an entrepreneurial venture. So like every time they've got a great idea, they go pursue that idea. And, and great marketing is about perspiration, not inspiration. Great marketing is you wake up every day and you do marketing and you create content and you connect with people and you stay on their radar. This idea that, you know, for example, people tell me all the time, well, I only want to write a blog post when I'm inspired, when I have a great idea. And I'm like, well, then you're never going to be successful at this. Um, you know, you've got to do a podcast every week. You've got to do a blog post every day. You've got to get on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat, you know, is, you know, every day, like volume matters. Now that's not to say that, that if you just put out crap and you do more crap, then you're going to succeed. That's not true. But but if the if the if the consistency and the quality stays stays level, uh, more is better than less. It just is. And and so most people just cannot keep up the pace uh, for long enough to to do it. When I first started this company, Convince and Convert, which is a consulting company I have now, um, it was just me out of my house. This is eight years ago, something like that. Eight nine years, eight and a half. And I wrote uh, a blog post every single day. And what I would do 
is I would get up super early because I was in the West Coast there. So you get that kind of penalty. I'd get up super early, kind of see what was going on in the industry, in the marketing industry, write a post about kind of what's ever going on. And then I would go to every other blog out there and I would leave a comment and say, that's interesting. Here's what I think about it with a link back to my blog. Nice. I spent probably three, this is back when comments were more of a thing, of course. (laughs) I spent four hours a day, every day doing that for six months. For one, uh, so you did one blog a day. You beyond doing the blog, you reached out and commented. Yeah, every day for six months. Every day for six months. That's consistency. And oh. and and after six months, I started finally getting some nibbles. Right, like people in the social media industry, like, oh, this guy who you've never heard of has this really interesting blog post. Um, and and other people, Chris Brogan, for example, might be somebody that listeners know. Chris was one of the very first people to ever start tweeting my stuff back in the day. And so after, you know, after hundreds of hours of effort, like eventually you start to get a little bit of crack and then more and more and more and more and more. And now I've written thousands of blog posts and I have thousands of hours of podcasts and five entire books. And I've given thousands of speeches all around the world. Uh, and I work just as hard today, if not harder because there's always other people who are trying to, you know, trying to take your, take your toys. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, grind, hustle, never sleeps. You, you got to keep going because there's always somebody else out there working. I mean, that's amazing. Six months and four hours a day, every day, that's consistency. I mean, I've been doing this podcast or twice a week for every week, 18 months. I'm seeing yeah. the success with it, but I'm continuously. And the one thing about consistency and one thing I'm doing a lot lately, and I want to hear your insight because I recently just saw on a Medium post with Snapchat and talking about Instagram stories and Snapchat. I yeah. Snapchat every day because here's my insight on it. It's like my own rally TV show. I have my own show now, but my own rally TV show of showing my life, showing the work I do, giving advice, and people feel like they know me, I mean, really well. They're yeah. intimate and they gain trust in me. And in business, you can relate back to stuff. So tell me your insight about what Snapchat's doing for marketing, where you see it going. And let's talk about Instagram stories because some people haven't read that post. I just did a great post, by the way, about Thanks. Instagram stories, which is basically Snapchat on Instagram. Yeah, I mean, I think Snapchat is a unusual was in the early days, even how blogging was in the early days where it's much more personal and raw. And you could interact with people in on a blog, in the comments, on Twitter, when Twitter was much more of a conversation and less of a megaphone, uh, and and it allowed you to kind of feel like you you know people in some sense, and, and Snapchat's the same way. It's very visceral. It's very unpolished for the most part, which is what makes it compelling. Uh, and, and I use you know fundamentally all the social platforms, as you might suspect. And uh, I, one of the things I like the best about Snapchat is that it's the one platform where I don't feel like I've got to have. I've got to have my hair combed, right? Like I can, I can sort of, you know what I mean? I can kind of be honest on Snapchat in a way that I would not necessarily be honest or as forthcoming uh, on other platforms. And some of that's just the the dynamics of the way stories work and and things like that. Uh, Certainly Snapchat is also tricky for marketers because of the way uh, audiences are, are collaborated there and discovery is a hassle and, you know, all the things that people who use Snapchat know so well. Uh, I think, Snapchat is a very, very visceral and persuasive medium, but for marketers, some of the mechanics of it are a little bit of a hassle. Now, Instagram stories kind of flips it on its head, right? So so the way they've done it, discovery and audience acquisition and, and even um, views, I think, are going to be better on Instagram stories, but but it's it's almost like 
it's almost like if Snapchat kind of got professional and and became sort of less interesting and and less visceral, right? It's like it, Instagram Stories is Snapchat if your mom designed it is essentially what it is. Yeah, uh, and. <laughs> And that doesn't make it bad at all. In fact, for a lot of people, I think it'll be really compelling. Uh, it's just not the same. And so so the post that I wrote, which was why I think Instagram stories is actually a good thing for Snapchat, is that what's going to happen is that the people who love Snapchat, primarily younger people, and that's just demographically true. I'm not making any judgments there. It's just truth, uh, are, are going to continue to love Snapchat, and that's going to be their thing. And then the the sort of older people who who are still a little bit puzzled by Snapchat's interface and sort of by some of the weird things about Snapchat are going to gravitate to Instagram stories. And that's okay because even though Snapchat's audience may be a little bit smaller, the purity of that audience is going to go up. Um, and, and so what happened to Facebook, you remember kind of walking this back a few years, is that Facebook was Facebook was Snapchat, right, at one point. Yeah. It was only kids. It was you, you couldn't get a Facebook account unless you were in college. Like, let's don't forget that, right? And that wasn't that long ago in the real world. So Facebook was the original Snapchat in terms of its network dynamics. And then once everybody's mom joined Facebook, you're like, I don't want to be on Facebook with my mom. That blows. And then everybody went to Instagram and then, Instagram. And then Snapchat, et cetera, right? So – um, and, and so the same thing was going to happen to Snapchat. As, as everybody's mom got on Snapchat, uh, then the people who started on Snapchat were like, I don't want to hang out with my mom on Snapchat. And, and so they were going to bail off of that too. And so I think even though the audience for Snapchat is going to get smaller, the people who love it will now continue to love it because all the kind of you know, hangers-on, kind of casual Snapchat users are going to leave and go to Instagram stories. So I think actually both sides win. So the one thing about Snapchat is you can't make things go viral because it's gone within 24 hours. You can't yeah. actually have a good internet platform. And this is kind of my thinking of looking in the future. Do you see it being where there's going to be a component on Snapchat where it allows you to post to another medium where it actually does go out where it can go viral? Well, I mean, the challenge is Snapchat wants to be your camera, right? They, they want to be the app that you use. Yeah whenever you create content. Um, and, if you, and if you start to be able to easily syndicate things from Snapchat to other social networks, it kind of undercuts that mission. Mm -hmm. um, so it would make sense to do that. Um, but I'm not certain that Snapchat is really interested in allowing people to create viral content in the way that Facebook is, both on Facebook and on Instagram. Uh, I think Snapchat's real play is as a messaging app. I mean, I think that's really their yeah. their core is 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 essentially the email for the young. Uh, and and in that perspective, you know, having things go outside the platform is is the exact opposite of what they want. So I think the only reason that they would they would maybe change their mind on that is if brands say, "Look, we're just going to stop giving you a bunch of money unless yeah. unless you allow us to make a bigger deal out of our Snapchat content." Like that's the only way it happens is essentially at bayonet point um, from big brands. Before we go to the next thing, what is your Snapchat uh, name so people? It's know. Jay Bear. Yeah, it's, it's Jay Bear. Simple. Yeah. I I couldn't do my name. <laughs> I had to do something <laughs> different, but good for you. Um, add Jay Bear. Uh, so oh, sorry, J dot bear, J dot bear. Sorry, I didn't want to mess it up. J dot bear. Yes. Okay, I'll yeah. add you after this. Good uh, tip. Good tip. I I love Snapchatting. It's I I just think it's it's really easy to do for constant content. And it, for me, like I've lately for doing some of my crowdfunding campaigns, I've got a lot of sales from it, just leading to other platforms. But you yeah. got to do it the right way. 
and it's I do it's, like a little I do like a little show on there called Bear in the Woods. Um, Bear in the Woods. I do I once or twice a week. It's just a you know, it's ten or twelve snaps um, about hey, here's kind of what I think is going on. Uh, I used to do a video blog every day. Uh, I did 150 daily episodes called Jay Today. And so Bear in the Woods is kind of that show, but but on Snapchat. Um, Much easier. And it's just <laughs> kind of, yeah, it just sort of what, you know, what do you think is is uh, is going on? So I did one the other day about um, people who feel like they have to be the smartest guy in the room, right? And and that the I w- and my, my main podcast is called Social Pros, which is all – uh, enterprise sort of big company social media managers. So name a brand. So my main uh, my main podcast is called Social Pros. It's all big company social media managers. I've been doing the show for five years. And uh, my friend Adrian Parker was on my show last week. And he is the the vice president of digital marketing for Patron Tequila. And he was saying on the show, like, the secret to success in social media and digital marketing is is not being afraid to say, I don't know, right? To, to say, exactly. look, I I'll go figure it out. Like, and, and a lot of people are afraid to say that. And I find, frankly, a lot of people who are afraid to say that are young entrepreneurs because they're afraid, uh, that, that if they say they don't know, it's a sign of weakness. Like that they believe that, that, that saying, I just don't know, I'll go find out is somehow makes you lesser than. And so I did a bear in the woods episode on Snapchat about that, about how, you know, you've got a lot of people, especially young entrepreneurs who, who have to always be the smartest guy in the room. Uh, and they think that makes them better, but it actually makes them worse. Yeah. And it was a really, I uh, got a lot, a lot of reaction from, uh, from viewers on that episode and, you know, hundreds of, uh, uh, of screenshots and, and comments and things like that. So it's, it's cool. I, I really like, uh, I like doing it. I, I like, I mean, I always say I like to be the dumbest guy in the room. I, I want to surround myself with really right. smart people because it's, I learn from them. <laughs> that's, that's the right way to do it, but not everybody, uh, not everybody is as sharp as you. <laughs> so you yeah, exactly. So you, uh, you told me you were the most retweeted guy in the world, right? Among digital marketers. Yes. Okay. So tell me, tell me what you think about Twitter and where it's going. I mean, I think they need to do some big changes, and I, they, I imagine they are. But what is your view on Twitter for marketing and where you see it going? I mean, it's it, what's fascinating is that they are really pushing hard on video. I think they feel like Periscope is their salvation, and they may be right. I don't know. Um, they're, they're really pushing hard on video. And, and they're also finally, I think two years too late, but but finally getting real serious about Twitter as a customer service platform. Uh, my most recent book is called Hug Your Haters, and it's all about customer service disruption and, and how to handle customers in the age of social media. And Twitter has added a lot of functionality to the platform for brands yeah. uh, to allow Twitter to be a much more viable kind of primary first line customer service platform. It's always been that way. You know, people have always kind of reached out on Twitter if they're mad or whatever, but, but they've actually added some functions to make that easier for brands. So I think that's fascinating. Uh, but, but as, as the, let me me say it this way, Twitter is viable, not because of how many people use it, but because of who uses it, right? It's still, it's still the place where journalists and celebrities and athletes go, um, for, for good or bad. And, and until that fades away, um, it's still going to be viable. But I think as what, you know, where Twitter was two years ago, where it's sort of the engine of, of social media, um, at least in the United States, I, I don't see that as true anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm tweeting all the time and between all the companies I have, we're always tweeting. I just, I, I don't see obviously face for me, just personally, my companies, Facebook has been the best ROI 
And then Snapchat has really been doing some big things. I mean, I'm podcasts every week. Twitter, I still do. And again, and what we did for for campaigns, like we, like you said, the people that are on Twitter, the journalists and them, we tweet out to the journalists. So I do see that makes sense where there's um, some value there. But for you personally, and I'm sure a lot of the different platforms you like, what would be your like favorite marketing platform right now? And what do you think is going to be the best one here in the future? Um, I mean, I think the, if you kind of count everything as a potential marketing platform, I would say podcasting is my favorite uh, because it, it I love has podcasting. An, <laughs> it has an impact. It just has an impact that other things don't, right? There, there is, I mean, I do everything, right? I've got five books. I do 60 live speeches and 20 webinars a year. Uh, you know, we, we do 208 email newsletters a year. Um, you know, my company does 72, no more than that, 312 podcasts a year. Uh, we publish 600 blog posts a year. So, I mean, we're making a lot of stuff and of all of that stuff, the thing that has the most impact in terms of people coming up to me and saying, Jay, blank, 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 uh, is the podcast. Uh, there is, there is no replacement for talking into somebody's head for half an hour once a week. Uh, it just, it's just it's just powerful in a way that nothing else is. And so um, I think podcasting would be number one. Um, I, I think ultimately today, I think Facebook is probably number two just because of the size of the audience, just just the, the reach, right? Um, yeah. And, and when you do Facebook well, uh, you, can, you can generate tremendous results there. Um, I think from a content standpoint, still uh, really bullish on, on um on what's going on with with written content done well like our blog is still a huge engine uh of of growth we've got you know hundreds of thousands of people a month visit our site um and and now that's not to say that if i was starting from scratch today that i would go that direction but we have such a large legacy audience that that it still really it still really works yeah uh, and then of course and then of course snapchat but it's different right i mean you, i think you use snapchat for different things um to me, Snapchat's more about engagement than it is about reach. Uh, you know, if somebody says, hey, we're trying to to introduce a new product, I wouldn't say, well, let's go do that on Snapchat because it's just so hard to cobble together an audience there. You know, I 100% agree engagement because for me, like, I'll, people snap me, I guess different random snaps every day. And when you reach back, I mean, it's easy to do in that engagement, that one-on-one -on -one personal contact. It's a lot easier than set up, hey, let's do a 15, 20-minute call. Um, yep. So you build that trust. Again, it's a different platform. I'm still learning it, but I think it's great. Um, I love it so much. Uh, Buddy and I created a online website, uh, customfilterguys.com, to create filters for people for nice. Snapchat. <laughs> awesome. But awesome. Yeah. So if you ever want to filter, be happy to help you out in there. Um, but one thing in podcasting. So this, you said number one. Again, I like podcasting. I love it. It's about uh, just telling my story, bringing people on, and audio. I mean, people. And John Lee Dumas talks about that a lot, how people don't mm -hmm. have to give it. I mean, you can be working out, you can be driving on the road, you can listen to podcast shows. I don't really see it going anywhere for a long time. Where do you think podcasts, I mean, there's going to be a lot more video out there and virtual reality. Where do you see podcasting go? What do you think the future that's, I mean, going to be? It's going to continue to continue to increase. In fact, I've got a, a, a great blog post that we put together that's based on research from Edison, who is a, a research company that I partnered with in my last book. They're the number one podcast research firm in the country. Yeah. Uh, podcast listenership grew 30% last year in the US. Yeah. So you know it, it continues to to increase. 
uh, and and will do so for for a couple of reasons. Just like just like you said, and like JLD has said, I'm one of the only people to be on JLD's show three times, which I'm really proud. I've of. I've been on twice. Dude. Yes. Good dude, good friend. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And the thing is, yeah, you you can't multitask and read a blog post. Like you can't mow the lawn while you're reading a blog post. You can't drive while you're reading a blog post. You can't run while you're reading a blog post, right? And so, so podcasting definitely has that listening window um, opportunity that that other types of content don't. But here's the problem: uh, there is a point at which podcasting growth will slow, not because podcasting is is not popular, but because it's still, it's 2017 almost, right? Yeah. And it's still a total pain in the ass to listen to podcasts, right? You've got to download an app. You've got to somehow find shows to listen to. Uh, you've got to then subscribe to the shows and then remember, it's just, yeah. it, it is just really still a hassle if you are not, you know, somewhat digital. Like I think, Everybody I know, of course, listens to podcasts, but my mom doesn't. And my mom's pretty hip for a 72-year-old lady. Uh, <laughs> but but she doesn't listen to podcasts just because the whole mechanics of podcast listening um, are, are, you know, tricky, right? And so I feel like things like Amazon Echo, um, like Spotify using podcasts now, or, you, or, or kind of pulling uh, podcasts into the platform, uh, you know, even I, I would love to see DirecTV and other platforms like that have a podcast um, directory inside there, you know, as when, when podcasts get to the point that you can access them through something other than a web browser or a phone, that's where we're going to see it leap into the mainstream. But until that happens, it's going to keep uh, listenership to sort of the, the group of people who are technical enough to figure it out. The one thing I will say about podcasting is why, I mean, if you stay consistent and you look what John Lee Dumas doing, I mean, daily podcasts are crazy. When I went on his show for the second time, he was on his 10th interview for the day. I'm like, you're awesome. Like, how do you do this? But you think about the consistency and over time you hit 12, 18 months, you hit the snowball effect, but that content's always there. So two, three years from now, you talk about all the content online. I mean, that's going to help with SEO for people. I mean, I've had people reach out that listen to a podcast where I did a year ago and it ends up turning into a client. Like Absolutely. There, there's so many yep. good things for it. And I love podcasting. So uh, anyways, podcast, I love it. Uh, one thing I want to go into, there's two more things. I got to go here in a couple minutes. I want to be respectful of your time, but let's go into your book and specifically utility because this is what really drove me to you and how I found out about you and respect for you. I love the book. I talk about it a lot. Yeah, I mean, I talked about it on Morty Show before I even know you. Uh, tell me how you made it because that's a New York Times bestseller, correct? It is. Yep. How, how did you, because for me, I am a crowdfunding guy. I, I help people raise money with campaigns. And the big thing is like we did with John Lee Dumas's book. It's all that work we put in ahead of time to make that huge launch, to raise a hundred grand in 33 mm -hmm. hours and all that mm -hmm. success. There's a lot of work ahead of time. How did you make your book? I mean, it's, it's a great book, but becoming a New York times bestseller isn't easy. How no, did you do that? Not. Like what? What was that process like? Because I, well, I'm sure everybody I mean, to wants some to degree, know. I mean, to some degree, it helps because I had a previous book called The Now Revolution, so I already had some history. Um, two, we worked with a publisher with Penguin Portfolio, so we got an advance on the book, so that helped fund uh, a lot of the marketing of, of the book. So the same kind of thing you do with crowdfunding, we, we sort of did with, with publishers' money. It's the yep. same idea. Yep. Um, but, but it is really... 
um, giving people the opportunity and the incentive to pre-order a ton of books. Uh, you know, and we started months before publication, just racking up orders, racking up orders. I mean, Gary Vaynerchuk, who uh, he and I have been friends since before anybody knew him or and anybody knew me, uh, he said, look, um, I talked to him before I launched the book and I said, Hey, you know, wh what do you think I should do? And he said, here's the thing. You've already sold tons of books. You just don't know it yet. And, and what he meant by that is that I've already built the trust and the relationships with people, um, to get them to buy a bunch of books. You yeah. just have to call, just have to call in all the favors. And so I, I took a, a tip from him. He told me how to do this because what he did for uh, for crush it, uh, and the thank you economy is I spent three days, three entire days. So it ended up being about 30 hours and I emailed every single person I know. Yep. And I know a lot of people. <laughs> uh, and I said, look, uh, this book's coming out. It's really important. It's my first solo book. We're trying to hit the New York times list. I need to sell this many books. Here's how many I've already sold. Uh, I've got this many more to sell. I need you to buy X number of books. And I, and I, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a blast. It was a one-on-one -on -one email uh, to thousands of people, uh, took me days to do it. Um, and we sold a ton of books. So when you, okay. When you say the pre-orders, like people on Amazon, they're able to pre-order the book. So you get people to buy pre-orders. So on day one, it, when it launches, all of them are bought, correct? Is yes. Yes. But you don't want to do them all on Amazon. Uh, well, it depends. I mean, the New York Times list and the Amazon list are, are different, oh, different uh, yes. ways it handles. So, so you don't want to put them all on Amazon. So we t we actually took the money from a lot of people. Like we sold the book ourselves uh, and collected ah, the money, um, and yes. then we used. Um, uh, there's a there's two or three companies out there. Barnes and Noble does it now. Uh, there's a, a company called 800 CEO Read. Um, there's another company called IndieBound, which works with independent bookstores, uh, and and they help you take your money and buy the books and fulfill them through the bookstores. Um, so that everybody gets their books. You don't want to give them all to Amazon. It just is a sort of a weird way the book business works. And so it's a lot of hassle, um, but that's how we did it. In For fact, I have on SlideShare, Brandon, I've got a SlideShare that I wrote. Uh, go to slideshare.net slash jbear. Uh, and the SlideShare is called um, the 25 tips uh, of how I wrote and marketed a New York Times bestseller. So it's literally like step-by-step -step everything I did. Well, I'm definitely going to check that out. That's slideshare.net slash jbear. You got it. Perfect. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. I mean, that makes sense. A lot of what people do for a book launch is no different than what we do for a crowdfunding campaign because on day one, we say if you want to get a huge success, you've got to have 30 to 40% of your funds already allocated for launch day for a yep. book. You're already pre-selling it. It just when the time comes, then it all goes out. That's um, right. And that, I mean, once you've got a New York Times bestseller, that's credibility beyond what people could ever believe in. Um, and obviously, that helps with everything else you do with speaking and all of it. To wrap things up, uh, because I mean, I could talk to you all day. You have a lot of great insight, and you're uh, just a, a great guy in the industry for what you do. What would be your top tips for a young entrepreneur getting started in business? What, what's your top tips for them, and also for the marketing field? The mo when, when you're an entrepreneur and you're just getting started, the, the most important word is no, not yes. Because when you're first getting started, your tendency is to say, well, I could do this and I could do this. Yes. And somebody says, hey, here's an opportunity. You're like, well, that's not exactly what I want to do, but that sounds pretty great. And I got to eat and I got to pay the mortgage. So yeah, I'll do that. And, and so you start to get really diffuse um, and, and you start to not really have any sort of consistency of, 
uh, of a product or service, and and that is a very dangerous game to play. It's an easy trap to fall into too, because you're like, well, I got to get paid somehow. Yeah. Um. And and so you really have to be rigorous about turning down opportunities that are not perfect. And sometimes that means walking away from cash, and that can be really hard when you're starting out because you just don't have the cash to to you feel like I've got to say yes. Um. But but saying no is the most important thing because you only got 24 hours, man. And detective uh, of that time. Otherwise, you just start start wasting time. And I would say, as you get a little bit bigger, what has really, really helped me having having run six companies, and uh, I'm an investor in 15 other startups, and, and a lot of um, I do a lot of angel funding and things like that is most entrepreneurs got into it because they love it. And they want to they want to do it like they want to get their hands dirty. That's kind of their passion. But the successful entrepreneurs are the ones that say, how can I replace myself as often as possible? So what we do in my company, and we've been doing it for many, many years now, is we consistently uh, once or twice a year audit all the things that I spend my time on personally. And we try to take 15% of that away and give it to somebody else. And so if you do that 15%, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15 for eight or nine years, you're left with, I spend my time almost entirely on things that only I can do. Nobody else in my company can do it. Only I can do this podcast, right? Only I yeah. can go give the speech. Only I can write the book. Um, but everything else, somebody else is doing. And when you do that over time, uh, it, it allows you to, to really focus on, on what your highest level skills are. And, and that's the best way to be an entrepreneur eventually. And scale and scale. And I, I just one more point I want to touch on is yes, because as an entrepreneur, there's so many things coming at you and it's like you want to say yes to all of them, learn to say no. But the one thing to know is time is our most valuable asset. Yep. When you think about that instead of the money, I mean, our time on earth, we all have 24 hours a day. And the thing is, it's going to end one time. What do you want to spend your time doing the most in life? where you can be the most successful. And for you, auditing yeah. yourself, that's genius. So and I'll, let me tell you from a marketing perspective. Um, I was given a speech a couple weeks ago at Indiana University, right around the corner from my house. They've got this program called the Global Business Institute, where each summer they bring in a couple hundred uh, business students from around the world. So kids from Egypt, from Pakistan, from Malaysia, from Indonesia. Uh, it's really interesting. And they come over to, to learn about American business customs and things like that. So they asked me to give a speech and kind of talk about entrepreneurship and things like that. And so I did. And uh, somebody asked me at the end, a, a young man from Egypt, and said, hey, um, so I'm working on this startup, and it is – essentially a laundry service for all intents and purposes. Um, people drop off their clothes uh, and they clean them and they return them. And that sounds fairly obvious for us, but in Egypt, that's not really a service that, that has existed historically. Everybody kind of does their own thing. Yeah. Uh, and and mo a lot of people don't even have washers and dryers. And so, you know, getting the laundry done is kind of a hassle. And so he said, well, how, using the principles of utility and digital marketing and social media, how, how would you how would you market that business? And I said, well, first of all, you've got to use um, the, the sort of magic question that I think makes marketing work. Uh, and he said, well, what's the magic question? I said, well, you've got to ask yourself, why does this matter? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, you've got a laundry service. Yeah. Why does that matter? Well, he said, it matters because um, it saves people time. I said, okay. Well, why does that matter though? He said, well, it matters because then um, customers, they're mostly moms, would have more time to do other things where usually they're spending time doing laundry. 
I said, okay, but why does that matter? And he said, I don't, I don't know what you mean. I said, well, if they're mostly moms and they have more time to do other things, wouldn't it make sense that it matters because they have more time to spend with their family, with their children? And he said, well, yeah, that's probably true. They probably would spend that time with their, with their family. I said, well, why does that matter? And he said, well, I don't know. I said, well, isn't it true that, that in Egypt, uh, many, many students drop out of school, don't get to the level of education that they want to because they've got all these other things to do? He said, yes. I said, well, why this matters is that it allows moms to spend time with their kids to make sure their kids stay in school. And I said, if I was marketing that business, the entire marketing program would be around educational achievement, not around laundry. And so my, my, my secret magic trick for you is that anytime you're thinking about marketing, always ask that question, why does this matter? And if you keep asking it over and over and over and walk it backwards, you'll get to the core essence of what you're really selling, which is never what you think you're selling. That is perfect. Hey, Jay, where, where can people find you? That great advice. Where can people find you at? Uh, convinceandconvert.com. Convinceandconvert.com is our main site. Uh, all the blogs, podcasts, email, all that. Uh, and then jbear.com is, uh, is my site for speaking. Uh, and obviously everywhere on the social media is just look for Jay Bear. Hey, thank you, man, for coming on the show. And uh, you know what time it is, everybody? It is time to go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brandon C. Adams. Have a great day, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the show with Jay Bear. Be sure to go to my website, brennancyadams.com, and look under the show notes with Jay Bear. Have the content there. Have uh, some extra links talking about some things we talk about in the show. Um, check that out. I really enjoyed having Jay on the show. I mean, talk about a marketing expert guru. He is going all over the country. He's speaking. He's doing blog posts. I mean, some of the content that he puts out on a regular basis, it just blows my mind. And I thought I was putting out content. I mean, they are putting out, I think he said like 600 blogs uh, a year. He's speaking at 60, 60 speeches a year, 50 podcast or webcasts, 312 podcasts, like a huge amount. But it just shows for you and your business, you need to be consistent, constant content out for your audience and just putting it out there because that's how you grow awareness to your brand. You build an audience and then you get sales. And it's clearly working for him. It's working for me and my business for what I've done. And I'm not even, for what he's done, he's got so much content out there. And for me being two times a week for a podcast show, blogs, Snapchat, you name it, just you gotta be consistent. Speaking of Snapchat, if you haven't added me already, go and add me on Snapchat, btadams18. I guarantee you're gonna get a kick out of it. You're gonna enjoy it, a lot of value every day. And you're going to be entertained and every once in a while I'll go on rants. Uh, I love Snapchat. I think it's a great marketing platform right now. But uh, again, check out notes, brennancyadams.com. If you ever need anything from me, just reach out on Snapchat. Send me an email, brennan at brennancyadams.com. Anything you need from me, if you want me to speak at your event, you need help in your business, just reach out. I'm always available. I'm always snapping. I'm always on my computer. So that's it for today's show, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. And in the meantime, go out there, create something great and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brennan T. Adams. Have a great day, everyone.